Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. Especially on the worst weather days or the worst condition days, when I wanted to stop, I was thinking, if you stop, you're going to beat yourself up later because you're, you're selling yourself short of what you told yourself you were never going to do, and that is quit. So anytime my feet were freezing or I had hot foot or I was bleeding through my bandages after a wreck with somebody or I was having a, a PTSD moment from my accident during the hammer, I would just kind of center myself and reevaluate the situation and then just go, okay, this is why you're doing this. You're doing this to overcome everything you've done. Welcome to the award-winning Champions Mojo, hosted by two world record-holding athletes and health, life, and leadership coaches. Be inspired as you listen to Conversations with Champions. And now, your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hey, Kelly. It's good to be here with you today. Yes. And before we tell you all about our guest, Amanda Coker, we just want to say, hey, Amanda, welcome to Champions Mojo. Hey, Amanda. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Maria and I are so excited to have you. I've been hearing about you, Amanda, for a long time. (laughs) We've been trying to get you on the show. So it's really, so Amanda is one of the most decorated ultra cyclists in the world. And even if you're a swimmer or another type of athlete, this story is so motivating. Amanda is best known for her 2017 highest annual mileage record, also known kind of by the cool acronym of HAMR, (laughs) H-A-M-R, when she rode her bicycle 86,573.2 miles in 365 days. So yes, folks, that is 237 miles, over 237 miles a day. She rode through hot, cold, hurricanes, wind, rain, and she smashed the previous hammer record for men or women. Uh, But there's more, Maria. Tell us more about Amanda. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm such a big fan of Amanda's. In addition to Amanda's hammer record, she owns 15 World Ultra Cycling Association sanctioned records, including, and just, I'm just going to name a couple of them, the highest month mileage record where she cycled a mind boggling 8,012 and a half miles in a month. She owns the 100,000 mile record, which she did in 423 days. In October of 2021, Amanda became the first woman to ride more than 500 miles solo in 24 hours. The solo means no drafting help from other cyclists. She rode 520. 12.5 miles in 24 hours. And along the way, she broke 10 other women's cycling records and destroyed a couple of mine. So um, she's currently a member of the 2024 Women's Professional Cycling Team. Um, Amanda's been riding bikes since she was a young girl. However, 11 years ago, she and her father were hit from behind while cycling and both were severely injured. And that changed everything for Amanda. And it's a big part of her story, but we'd like Amanda to tell us about that. So Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Excited to be here and talk with you both. (laughs) So yeah, I'm just going to start and ask you about, yeah, your history and that accident. And then we can go from there. The history starting with the accident. Well, you can tell me your whole history, but (laughs) my whole history. Well, I mean, you were a, you know, you were a cyclist since you were a little girl. This has been your thing, right? 
I started when I was 15. Okay. Some girls wanted their learner's permit. And I wanted a road bike. <laughs> <laughs> I actually grew up with my dad being in triathlon. So I was always surrounded by the sport. And uh, actually we have, he's told me stories and we have pictures of me riding on the back of his bicycle in one of those little baby carriage things. So I, I think that kind of started the love of cycling at a young age. And I didn't really get into it till I was 15 when I saw a triathlon in our neighborhood. I was like, Oh, I want to try that. So for my 15th birthday, my dad was like, okay, here's a, a aluminum frame road bike. Go, go have fun with it and see how you do on it. And I ended up doing pretty good in triathlons. And then I just started getting a little stronger with cycling. And so I kind of switched my focus over to cycling from that. From there, I was able to obtain a cycling scholarship for my freshman year. And uh, I ended up going to Fort Lewis College in Durango. But unfortunately, when I was out there, I discovered I had a a hole in my heart called a PFO. And so though the way we believe we found it was from um, being at altitude, your oxygen is different from being at sea level. So it kind of opened it up and it was deoxygenated blood was going with oxygenated blood. And so I had to leave college and come back home and have an implant put in my heart, which is successful for its it's been 11 years since that to this month. And so after that heart surgery, I started getting back into cycling and planning to go back to Fort Lewis that fall. And so on June 29, 2011, my dad and I were out on a training ride and a car just came up with no warning and just slammed right into us and threw us and off the side of the road into a ditch. And I ended up having a traumatic brain injury. I broke my left leg. Um, my father and I both had substantial spinal injuries that both required surgeries later on. And we had a lot of litany issues and, um, we basically just had to start from new and go from there. And, um, you had to like to learn, re- learn how to walk and did, right. Uh, I mean, or I had a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, side effects from the wreck, like especially my traumatic brain injury, it affected my speech, my memories, my thought process, just everything that a normal brain would function with. So things were hard for me to deal with emotionally and um, physically. So it was it was a pretty rough spat right after for for a few years until we all just my my parents and I just looked at each other. We're like, we just we need to leave this area and just start new. And we moved down to Florida in 2014. And that's when I started getting back into riding again. And then just kind of went from there. Well, so when you're doing, I wouldn't want you to talk about the night paralysis. Cause I know mm-hmm. you, we were, before we were on the air, you were talking to describe that, that that's a side effect of your TBI, your traumatic brain injury. Right. My, um, one of the worst side effects of the traumatic brain injury was getting nighttime paralysis. The, the amount of trauma that I sustained from the, the, the wreck, uh, I would be laying in bed at night for almost every single night after the wreck for several months. And I couldn't move. I knew I was awake, but my body just wouldn't move at all. And we tried different medications. And I just, I said, I don't want to do medications. I just want to try and naturally heal this with time and proper hydration and sleep. Yeah, that's, I still have them now depending on a stressful situation, but it, they're rare. So uh, that's a blessing. 
So doing the hammer ride, that was part of your sort of self-treatment, wasn't it? It really was. Uh, during my recovery right after, there was a chance that I thought, not a chance, um, I thought I would never be able to ride it, ride again because my injuries were just so bad. And there was also the PTSD of riding on the road again, because if it happened once it, it could happen again. And I had to deal with that. I just remember sitting in a recliner trying to think of ways uh, I can motivate myself again. And I also started telling myself if I ever could ride again, I was never going to take it for granted. Hmm. So leading up to the hammer, and having that opportunity presented to me, I was like, oh, I get to ride my bike every day for as long as I want. So it's not really a, a job. It's going to be fun. It's fun. <laughs> Did you, as you rode during Hammer, were you getting better? I started, I decided to start at a slower pace. And the Hammer, I started May 15th, 2016. So I started out like 18 and a half, 19 miles per hour, just so I wouldn't shock my body completely. Cause I knew it usually takes two weeks to set a routine just in general. So if I knew if it took the first two weeks, moderately slower than what I normally train at, it wouldn't be such a shock to the system. So gradually my pace would just, my average pace just started creeping up and ended up ending with 20.3 mile per hour average for the entire year. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's Thanks. incredible. As a, you know, I've, I mean, I've had a little bit of cycling experience from being a triathlete. That's just when you said you started out at 18 and 19, I'm like, okay, that's just like crazy fast for, for the average person on a bike. So I want to get the timeline, right. Right. As far as what kind of cycling were you doing prior to the accident? how old were you when the accident happened and did all these records and kind of ultra expansion into ultra come after the accident? Before I, before we got hit, I was mainly focusing on road race, road racing, which is crits and time trials and road races. I would do local races and I was, I actually got sixth place in the time trial the year prior at junior nationals. Hmm. So that was kind of like a, my next step to the next level. And then I started training in college, but then I'd had to come home from my heart surgery, which kind of rebooted everything. But after the, after my accident, I started just trying to ride more and kind of by how feel and how my recovery was going. And I didn't really feel good enough to start really riding training again until about 2015. And we had already moved down to Florida by then from North Carolina. And one of our neighbors was like, you should go check out this place called Flatwoods. It's a close course, seven mile loop. It's safe from cars. You don't have to worry about anything other than animals and other cyclists and athletes. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And one of the most defining moments for me was I went out there after riding by myself, slowly trying to get fitness back. And I remember I followed this I came up on this one woman on the trail and she was doing about 20, 21 miles per hour. I was like, okay, I'm going to try and stick with this woman for as long as I can. So my heart was like at 160 beats per minute. And I'm just, I'm not on her wheel, but I'm far enough back. She has no idea I'm behind her. And I ended up sticking behind her for the three laps she was doing. And she pulled off and I pulled off behind her panting and trying to just gather myself. And I said, oh, thank you so much. I needed that you don't know how um, special it was for me. And she looked at me like I had three heads, like, who, who are you talking to me? <laughs> so 
that's when I started thinking, okay, so if I could do that today, I can do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And that kind of just built the whole mindset for me that was helpful for me during the hammer because the first day of the hammer was actually the furthest I had ever ridden in my life. So I was already starting off with that 250 miles and going, okay, if I do that today, I'm going to try and do it again tomorrow. So that's just how my mindset was to the entire hammer was if I could do it yesterday, I could do it tomorrow. Yeah. I I think one of the most interesting things about you is your mindset, Amanda. Uh, We read that when you're a little girl or young, I mean, you said it was, uh, we read that it was, you know, you'd gone like 35 miles and that was the Mm -hmm. longest you'd ridden and Mm -hmm. your self-talk. Can you, can you talk about your self-talk during that ride when you were a young woman, a young girl, I I guess, 15 year old. Probably when I was 15, like right after I'd gotten my bike, it was a out up near, uh, near Raleigh where we lived. And there was a little rolling course. My dad and I would always race each other on. So he decided to take me on a little further course that day, which is about 35 miles. And it was hot North Carolina summer and it was humid. And I was, we were about five miles from home. I just started to cry. I was like, dad, I'm so tired. I just want to stop. He's like, no, don't stop. If you do this, you'll, you'll be proud of yourself and you'll wait, you know, wake up tomorrow feeling great. And so crying in tears and sitting on his wheel all the way home when I finished. And it was like a burst of um, endorphins like, Oh, I did it. So that that was, I think that was the root ride that I remember the core ride that I remember where it's like, okay, so this is how, this is how cycling is going to be for me. I'm just going to keep setting these short goals on the way to the long-term goal. Yeah. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, I have so many questions, but I know you're you're definitely the, the cyclist here in the conversation. So you when you set out to do the hammer, which is the you know the ride that is averaging 237 over 237 miles 200, a day. 200, yeah, that's right. 237 miles a day. Mm-hmm. Did you did you actually is there a goal that says I have to do over that amount for 365 days, did, did you actually set that goal or did you just say, you know what, I'm going to see if I can do this for a month and then I'm going to see if I can do it for two months or did you set out, I'm going to do this for a year? My original goal was to just break the women's record and the goal beside that was to ride as far as I could every day. I never wanted to do 237. I never had that as the, the goal. It was basically just how far can I ride between, let's say, 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. every day. So, so I did but you did of- intend to ride for a year that you were going to. Oh, yes. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Someone was like, you broke the women's record. Are you done? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what is the think- difference in the men's and women's record? Uh, I believe 29,609 miles was the women's record by Billy Fleming. And the men's record was by Kurt, 76,076 miles. So considerably different. So, so in, in your, um, in your approach to this, so were you on the bike every day? Like, this is the schedule. I'm going to start at seven and I'm going to finish at eight. And what was the miles per hour and what were the injuries? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, as adult athletes, Maria and I Mm -hmm. like, swimming is a very forgiving sport, which is my sport. And I, I couldn't swim every day from 7am to 8pm. I would, I would be, I would be done injury wise in probably two weeks. A a general day was waking up about four o'clock in the morning. And mind you, my parents were there every day for the year. So they were also doing this whole process with me. I always joke, 
they should get a little asterisk by all my records, you know? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. World, world record for most hours spent in a parking lot waiting on our crazy, <laughs> to crazy world record. <laughs> so we would wake up at 4am mom and dad would get breakfast ready and the car ready and the bikes ready. We would load up and drive. We live, we only live about mm, 20 minutes from Flatwoods. So before even the record, people think we moved here for the hammer. No, we lived here and I was training at Flatwoods before the record. So we would drive to the neighborhood besides Flatwoods and I would ride in there until Flatwoods opened up at seven. And then I would ride at Flatwoods the entire time. And then if I wanted more miles, I would just go back into the park, the neighborhood when the park closed. But a, a normal day would be waking up at four, eating breakfast, loading up the car, going to the neighborhood, riding in there. And then um, dad would bring me bottles or food out on the course if I didn't want to come in. I usually would take about one stop every day, one long stop. That's like 10 or 15 minutes long. And I would eat lunch. And I always hated doing that because I would have to, you know, all the blood goes to your stomach and he's just like, oh, I got to go back out there and do another hundred and something miles with the full belly. But that would pass. And um, as the day would go on, friends who were already training would come out and ride with me. And it was funny because I had a group of guys that I would, used to train with before the hammer that were pretty fast. And they were like, oh, Amanda, we're not going to be able to ride with you because we don't want to ride that slow. And I was like, <laughs> ah, no, we're going to ride together. So I, I made it a point to just start training. I actually did intervals during the hammer. And I actually got a lot of QOMs out of Flatwoods for doing that. <laughs> they would come out and I'd try to sit on their wheel and they would drop me. And then after time, I could hang with them and do their fast rides with them at four o'clock at night until I finished around seven o'clock. And they were just like, you're so weird. <laughs> so that is insane. A, a challenge yeah. within a challenge. And I would get flagged on Strava all the time. Cause people were like, how is she going 27, 28 miles an hour getting QOMs while she's riding 200 and something miles every day. So the people at Strava corporation got to know me on a first name basis. Cause I would have to like unflag all the, <laughs> all the flags. Wow. Yeah. So you were yeah. supported that, that, that mm -hmm. brings me to another question. You are supported, not just by your parents, although your parents support is incredible. Uh, I won the lottery in the parent <laughs> department, <laughs> but you were supported in other ways. Tell us about the support of the community and also sometimes not supported. Tell us about all that. Look, I had, I made a lot of good friends while riding out at Flatwoods and they all just kind of um, came over with the hammer and they, it was pretty cool because what I was doing would motivate them to ride more and set more records. I mean, more personal best and training goals. Uh, I had uh, a bike sponsor and supply sponsor and fuel sponsors, but I never had any like monetary sponsors besides kind donations from people, which was really helpful because it got, I ate a lot of food. That was for sure. <laughs> I'll bet. And, and bike supplies don't, are not cheap, yeah. <laughs> but, um, one of the cool things we did was a friend of mine that rode with me, he made these boards for the hundred miles and 200 miles. So after a while, people were like, Oh, Amanda, I want to come out and ride, but not ride with me, but ride on Flatwoods. I want to try and do a hundred miles because I've never done it before. So they would come out and they'd get their goal. And one of my friends is like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to take these boards. And every time somebody comes out here and rides a hundred miles, they're going to write their name down and we'll take a picture. And I put it on my Facebook page to share their stories. And then someone who would ride 200 plus miles, we let them take a picture of that. And it just got really 
that I still had the boards, but front and back people just would come out and it was pretty cool to be a part of, to like ride by them on the course. And they're just, they're pushing it. It made me ride a little better. So that's so amazing. So while <laughs> you're doing this incredible thing, you're inspiring other people and giving them credit for it. I, I that's just, <laughs> blows my mind and shows what a true champion you really are. That's where like I developed a model called inspiration is contagious during the hammer. So that's, I put that on like all my stuff as inspiration is contagious because what they were doing inspired me to push myself beyond the point of, Oh, I'm not feeling it today, but they're out here pushing for their personal best. What's hard for them. So what's going to keep me from doing it. Yeah. I, so I, how about, how about the injuries and the dark times and the negative talks? Oh, uh, you know. oh yes. Where, where would you like to start? <laughs> <laughs> At the top. Go At dark. Top. <laughs> go dark. Go, go, go dark. Yeah. Tell us I about mean, the no, hard I'm saying, well, what She's was saying, the hardest? What, what, like, was, what were the dark moments yeah. like? And when they what were, they? some of the hardest days were the heat riding in the heat and the, the storms waiting, the storms out just, knowing that the storms were going to come around one or two o'clock every day and just seeing those black clouds come through the skies and having to do two summers of Florida summers. Cause I started in May. So I had to go all the way through that summer. And then when I went to the hundred thousand miles, I had to go all the, the way next. through mid of July. Um, it got pretty cold in the winter down about 28 degrees and those cold, wet, rainy days were probably the hardest for me personally. Cause I don't like the cold you can't stay dry. If you stop, you get stiff. So sometimes my mom and dad were like, you need to stop riding. You need to come warm up. I'm like, no, I don't want to. So I actually have some photos of me sitting in the car with my feet on the dashboard on the heaters and just eating donuts and hot chocolate. And so (laughs) (laughs) just trying to get warm some other moments. Um, I did have crashes that other people caused, which were unfortunate probably cracked some ribs a few times. I have, I still have some hematomas on each hip from crashing over. Luckily I was on my recumbent for all of them actually, except one. So the, the gravital pull down, I was closer to the ground. Whereas if I was on my upright, it probably would have been way more worse. Just care. Just, I wouldn't say careless riders, but not as developed of skill riders that's when I started using the no drafting sign, which people oddly took offense to. And I, when I tried to explain it to them, I'm like, I'm setting, like, I'm setting a world record. If you crash me and it's over, you know? So I only, after the, re- I had a wreck in Jul- that first July and it was pretty bad. A guy got his back wheel stuck in my cassette. And so I just went boom, boom, like this on the ground. And after that, when I said, I don't want to ride with anybody, I don't know. So it just became me and my close friends riding with me. So, and, and when, when I mean riding with friends, we would switch off. So I'm not just sitting on somebody's wheel all the time. We would take breaks and I never asked my friends, Hey, I need you to come out here and ride with me. They, they would come. Cause I didn't think that was fair. I didn't want to put that on my friend's shoulders. Oh, Amanda needs me. Amanda needs me. Cause they didn't sign up for the hammer. I didn't want to take the fun out of cycling for them. So I just, I liked when they would come ride with me and keep me sane. <laughs> what was the most you did in a day? Well, one day, 402 miles. The previous day, it was nasty weather. I think it was on day 409. And I was a uh, 125 miles 
And I looked at my dad. I said, dad, I'm, it's pouring rain. I'm not going to get 200 something today. Let's go home and fall asleep and get up at 10 and start at midnight and see how many miles I can get in today. So that was pretty crazy. <laughs> that, crazy. that is crazy. That almost breaks your 24 hour record. I mean, it's close to it. Close to well, it. <laughs> so yeah. you, you also had some, some negative people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we don't have to major on that, but how did you overcome some of that? What, what was that? What, where did that come from? And how did you kind of overcome that? I, I think it talk? came from the, the way it was hard for people to process what I was doing. Like people had to make sense of something to, to believe it. You know, they had to have, they had to be able to process it in their brain. Okay. Well, the only reason I'm going to be able to process that Amanda did this is so I can have, like, I can make an excuse of how she did it. Oh, she's riding on the flats. Oh, she's riding on a recumbent some of the time. Oh, she's riding with people. You know, they had to make an excuse for it. And it would be on like my Strava and my Facebook. But what's funny is this did not upset me. It fueled me. So the mm-hmm. more they did it, I was like, okay, bring it. Okay. I'll just ride harder. <laughs> I'm just going to ride further. I'm just going to get another QOM. But it, it, I actually was like, okay, come, come bring the negativity. And I actually had a few men come out on the course and almost physically take me out on purpose because they were mm. so displaced by what I was doing. One man, actually, I found out later on, on a blog that he wrote down on, he flew all the way from the UK and hid in the woods and watched me and didn't approach me or my parents just to see if I was actually doing it. Mm. So, wow. yeah. Well, you know, pioneers <laughs> like you, um, when Diana Nyad swam from Cuba to f- Florida, you know, she broke that record and she had a lot of naysayers that mm-hmm. were like, oh, she cheated. And mm-hmm. it just, it's like, how did she cheat? But mm-hmm. he, some guy has a blog that just attacks her still to this day. Mm-hmm. So when you, you know, when you're doing things that are amazing like that, you're going to have naysayers. So, um, but that really was hurtful, right? It, it, you know, so it fueled you, but did, did it cause you any, you know, like to evaluate anything or how did that motivate you? (laughs) It just motivated me because it's like, I'm doing something that they can't wrap their head around. So it must be amazing. So I just continued to do it. So that's what I, I, that was going to be my first question when Maria, you know, these are all great questions, so it doesn't really matter what order we ask them in. But when I look at your resume and what you've done, besides what I heard you wanted to heal, um, you know, this was a way for you to heal from your accident and you're motivated by these kind of naysayers. What else, like, what is the motivation? Because a lot of us mortals, Maria is not a mortal, just to be, just to be clear, (laughs) Maria Maria is not immortal. Okay. No, she, I am immortal. My, no, my longest on, race Kelly. is 20 minutes, 20 <laughs> minutes. I, I, I can get into plenty of pain in a mile of swimming. And that's, that's plenty. What motivates you? Like th- this is some incredibly ultra stuff. So what is motivating you? I think the, the root start to when it really started for me was when I was at the age of 12, I hit a maximum of 210 pounds. I was an obese preteen. Wow. Yeah. And, um, it was hard for me growing up because back then bullies, you know, nowadays it's not as bad, but bullies were terrible for me. I would wear baggy t-shirts. I wear my hair up. I wear shorts to cover the weight. 
and they would call me, it's a man, duh. You know, they would chase around, call me a boy. And that's when it really was for me, like, I need to do something about this. And so I started watching what I was eating. I started running when I got on, um, when I was a freshman in high school, I actually got down to about one forties, one fifties. And I maintained that for a long time. And that was like the core. I gotta, I gotta do something about this. I gotta come above these bullies. That was, that was probably when it started for me. And then during the hammer, all the, the hatred and the, the meanness just fueled me. But on top of that, I had the support of my friends and my family, which just kind of boosted that even higher back to why I did the hammer basically comes down to sitting in my recliner after the accident, just thinking I'm never going to be able to ride again. That, that's really how I push myself every day, especially on the worst weather days or the worst condition days. When I wanted to stop, I was thinking, if you stop, you're going to beat yourself up later because you're, you're selling yourself short of what you told yourself you were never going to do. And that is quit. So anytime my feet were freezing or I had hot foot or I was bleeding through my bandages after a wreck with somebody, or I was having a, a PTSD moment from my accident during the hammer, I would just kind of center myself and reevaluate the situation and then just go, okay, this is why you're doing this. You're doing this to overcome everything you've done. So That's I hope that answers. <laughs> That's a beautiful speech. I want to just have a Thanks. little bit of your brain in my brain. <laughs> That's beautiful. Right? <laughs> Gosh, I, I am, you know, we've done almost 150 podcasts and I don't think I've ever been Aww. moved to tears like that. That's really beautiful, Amanda. It is. That is, you're an it's amazing hard to talk person. About, so <laughs> it's really, really beautiful. And that authenticity is just stunning. And that will definitely be the lead in on this podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, we always put a little snippet at the front and, um, well, that just really clears all this up for me because <laughs> coming in here, I'm like, what is the motivation? But gosh, what great motivation. So, so this is just such that is such a great reason to do this. And so now you, you've done it. This is, <laughs> you've done it. You've, you've conquered the bully demons in your mind. You're this huge success. You're a celebrity in, no. and <laughs> Not what, yet. No, I mean, in, in what's next and what does it feel like? Because a lot of our listeners and, and Maria and I, it's like, okay, you know, we're kind of like, check that box, you know, mm -hmm this and that Maria set a world record. You know, I was number one in the world last year and it's kind of like, Oh, you know, what do you do next? Mm -hmm. You know, like what, so what's next for Amanda and how do you, you know, reconcile this success? Well, what's next for me? I always have my eyes on more ultra cycling world records, like the 24 hour track indoor and outdoor ones. Um, She's going to write that down, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> I also want Don't you to Don't enter this. I want yeah. you to get no. the recumbent. See, that, recumbent that's another too. thing. A lot of people think, oh, well, she set that record. She's going to be mean if someone else breaks. I'm like, no, I want more women to break yeah. these records because right. what's going to happen is it's going to build the community. That's right. And the, it's going to set the bar higher and higher. And then it's going to bring more eyes on women's cycling, which is what we need, regardless of 
ultra cycling, road cycling, mountain bike. We need more eyes on women's sports, women's cycling, because there's, there's women out there who beat the men. So we are stronger for certain things. And I want somebody to come along and break my record because then I can go back out and break it again. I'm never, I'll, I'll like, if someone comes up to me and says, Amanda, I'm going to break your 24 hour record. I'm like, go for it. Yeah. I'll be like, do it. Because then you're just going to show that women are that strong. Women are that motivated and that determined to do it. So, and then I'll just go out and go for it again. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I love that attitude. No, uh, you should never be hateful towards someone who's breaking a record of yours because that just shows progress in human development research, motivation, because then they're going to inspire somebody else. You want that. You don't want it to be stagnant. Yeah. Amanda, we, we love to know you've really given us, I think a great um, insight into sort of the way your mind works. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's really incredible and beautiful and well-developed for a champion. But I, I, I'd also wonder, do you have any routines or rituals that, that you think make you help make you as successful as you are? I like to set short-term goals on the road to a long-term because I, the way I always tell people is if you're going to do a marathon for the first time, you're not going to go out and do a 10 mile run your first day. You're going to go for some walks. You're going to gradually add in a mile and then you're going to build up to a 5k and so forth. Because if you just go into the mindset, I have to do a marathon, you're going to struggle along the way there. You need micro goals along the way. To, and you must celebrate those goals too, because you're your biggest cheerleader. I mean, you could have the Ricky Coker and Donna Coker parents, but it still comes down to Amanda Coker, who's going to motivate herself to hit that big goal. So. <laughs> I, I, to- I totally agree with you. I totally mm-hmm. agree with you. Okay. Well, I know I, I want to tell a little story because I think it shines a light on who you are too. We were together at Sebring at the Sebring 1224 race, and I was doing the 12 hour and we chatted before the race um, and Amanda is a coach uh, and we'll talk about that more later, but at the starting line, she, and I had trained for it, but not particularly intentionally or thoughtfully the 12 hour. And you, you said, what's your goal? What's your goal? <laughs> I'm like, uh, what did I say? I want to get over 200 miles. And you kind of rolled your eyes and get, come uh-huh. on, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, I think I said, yeah, well, if I could do 240, I'd be delighted, but I was so, I was a very flattered that you, you know, what took that moment to inspire me and hold me accountable since I was entering a 12 hour race anyway, and B to have, you know, to have, to have in my mind, Oh, you know, I told Amanda, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to do 240 miles. I can't give up here. <laughs> so, you know, what, 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 Clearly your ability to, to, to motivate yourself and others is a quality of a champion. What, what other commonalities do you think champions share? The behind the scenes, because when say that someone does a podcast or an article or interview, you're only seeing that because of a successful moment, like riding 512 miles, 24 hours, you don't get to see the the days of sitting on the trainer with your legs just broken, you can't even get the workout and you're struggling with that mentally. Like, Oh, I'm not going to get the work in today because I don't feel good. Or another day where your body's just flat and you can't do anything regardless of working out. Or if you have, um, personal issues going on, nobody sees the struggles and the 
highs and lows while getting to that successful point. And I feel like champions all can relate to each other going to that point. We all know to get here, we had to go through all the rocky roads along the way. So I think that's how champions can relate to each other. That's great. That's beautiful. That's a great answer. So what do you do for balance? Like you're, you're obviously motivated to do this. How do you balance your life with, with these amazing ambitious goals? Time in between you mean, or yeah, just like, is there another, uh, thing that you do besides Mm -hmm. cycling? Uh, I'm a cycling coach that that takes up a lot of my time. Okay. So tell us Mm -hmm. about that. Like that must be a, you know, equal passion or it really is. Yeah. Um, I have athletes from all over the world. Uh, I started coaching in October, 2020. I started Amanda Cooker coaching, AC coaching, however, however people want to say it, it's really, really rewarding. And it motivates me to push myself into training because one of my biggest things with my athletes is I'm always telling them you have to have fun because I know I'm your coach and we're going to, we're going to push you past the point that you've never hit before, but don't forget why you started riding is because you were having fun because you did it as a release and escape, a uh, emotional and physical balance. And so that I try to keep that with my athletes all the time. And we have hard days and the next day I want you to have fun and take it easy. Uh, actually I had an athlete at Sebring this year who did the 24 hour race and, uh, he had never broken 400 miles before. And I said, okay, you're going to, you're going to break it. Then he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, he ended up doing 428 miles. Wow. And the whole time he's just like grinning and having fun. I'm like, he's a machine, but it's, it's so cool to actually be there and see the athlete performing at their best. And it kind of gives me the adrenaline rush and endorphin highs, whatever you want to call it to push myself into training. So it's kind of a, another inspiration is contagious kind of thing. Are you taking more clients? Absolutely. Okay. You can never, it can't have too many. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can attest to my, that little tiny bit of coaching you did with me that oh, you're good. a great yeah. coach and just listening <laughs> to you. you. So, so if you- someone, yeah, if, if someone's listening and they, you know, they're not going to try to go out and set a hammer record, uh, maybe not even, maybe they just want to enter their first triathlon and mm-hmm. they've never even been on the bike, but they know they've got to get on a bike. And what, what advice would you give to just kind of, you know, the, the weekend warrior that really has always wanted to get into cycling, what advice would you give to them? Just go out and have fun. Just set a goal. Like I'm going to sprint as hard as I can to this post right here. And see if you can break it again the next, next time you try it. Or if you're at like Flatwoods kind of place, do a lap and as hard as you can. And then another day, try to do it again and try to beat your best. Just always try to strive to be better than you were the last time and always have fun. Even if you're standing on the side of the road, try not to blow your guts from <laughs> pushing so hard. <laughs> I, I want to also just ask, I think a lot of people struggle with weight issues and um, to, to know that you sort of overcame that. Do you have just a, you know, a quick little bit of advice for anybody out there who's just feels really overwhelmed by, you know, feeling fat? Don't beat yourself up. If you're eating bad one day, it's not going to ruin the rest of your life. Just drink lots of water, get daily fruits and vegetables and protein don't starve yourself because that's just going to mess up your metabolism. I mean, I'm not a nutrition coach, license coach, but just listen to your body. What is your body asking for? Is it asking for more water, rest? You can really 
if you listen to your body, you'll be able to figure out what you need. And yeah, that's, that's great advice. Don't let, well, what, yeah. Don't let what? Go ahead. Don't let the bullies get to you because they, they're compensating for something else that they're not happy with. It's yeah. Crazy. And bullies are a lot of years yeah. to figure out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bullies are everywhere. They're not just in high school. You know, they, they're, they're no. yeah. <laughs> well, um, this has been so wonderful. Um, is there anything that we have not asked you, Amanda, that you would like to share with our, um, with us? I can share anything about the records. <laughs> if you have questions, any um, insights you want, it all comes down to, if you ask the question, it'll, I'll come up with an answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you want to talk about your cycling team at all? Uh, I'm on uh, 20 Virginia Blue Ridge 2024 women's pro cycling team. I've been on there since July of 2018. And it's a very wonderful team of juniors and pro women all across all kinds of disciplines and different fields. It's, it's a great team. They support you pretty well, huh? Mm-hmm. As well. That's awesome. Well, we will um, put all your information in our show notes. If people want to find you to get part of your coaching, um, you know, to be part of Amanda Coker coaching, but thank you so much. This has been fabulous. We've really, it's, it's been so inspirational. Um, thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really awesome. So thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. I've, you know, I've wanted you on the show for a long time. I really (laughs) appreciate you making time for us and, um, yeah, you're just an inspiration to me and, and to everyone. It's nice to talk to two very wonderful women who just are amazing for women athletes. Well, thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks. We'll be cheering for you. We sure will. Take take care. (laughs) Hang in there. This week's quote of the week comes from Amanda Coker. Keep setting short goals on the way to reaching your long-term goals. We hear that you love Kelly and Maria's takeaways from each episode. Well, now they'll be called best ofs, and you can catch them in a short micropod every week following a full podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Champions Mojo podcast, which is produced by Cobra Media. 